I'll, I'll, I'll intro. I don't know that I did a great job last time, but I did all right. So, yeah, I'll just go for it if you're good with that. I'm going to sure. sip this coffee. Okay. Hey there, everyone. Um, this is episode one. Are we, did we decide to call the last one episode zero? I think we're going to call it episode zero, yes. Okay. Hey there, everyone. Uh, this is episode one of White Lotus Radio, uh, a podcast about the legend of Korra. My name is Allison. Um, I'm at Allie Coffee on Twitter. My pronouns are she, her, or they, them. And my co-host is Nora. Hi, I'm Nora. I am at neither Nora on Twitter. My pronouns are she, her. We definitely forgot to do our Twitter handles in the last episode, huh? If if they only listen to episode zero, that's their fault, not ours. You know. It's, it's, <laughs> well, we will cleverly splice that into. Um, <laughs> we will not do that. I'm not going to make you do that. I will, I will do nothing clever in the production of this <laughs> podcast, I assure you. Okay. So, yeah, today we're um, going to talk about um, the first episode of Korra, and to pull back the curtain a little bit, we're trying to decide if we're going to do episodes one and two in this episode, or just episode one in this episode and episode two in the next episode of the podcast. I said episode a lot, and it might be confusing. You'll probably figure it out. <laughs> yeah. By the um, time you are hearing this, you will know. It really depends on how much we have to say about individual episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can definitely see a possible future where we double up on episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we'll need to do that. Uh, I don't remember how dense these episodes get. Yeah, I feel like this... Um, to jump ahead ever so slightly, I feel like the first episode is a lot denser than the second episode is. Like, I've got my notes, and they're maybe two or three times as long about the first episode as about the mm-hmm. second. But, yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Um, do Okay, so do we want to do a short summary uh, to start it off, or do we want to just, like, summarize as we go? Um... Let's, we can do... let's, let's summarize as we go. I think that's going to sound more natural. Sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the, the episode starts off, and I think most episodes start off this way. I think maybe episode two, two didn't. But the, episode one starts off with a callback to um, how the original show did with, um, you know water fire earth air um which i was extremely in my feelings for um, <laughs> I, I, um and then you get tenzin kind of reek um doing like a very 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 short like recap of what happened in the years between the original show and this show um which is that um so 
the war with the Fire Nation ends, um, and Aang and Zuko um, found Republic City, which is a new city that's supposed to be kind of like a place where people from all four um, section, like uh, cultures, I guess would be the word I would use, of the show um, can well, kind of meet you see, and mingle. Well, you see, a long time ago, the four nations lived in harmony. Yes, and Aang and Zuko are trying to get everyone to live in harmony again. So yeah, I was not in my feelings for Tenzin recapping that, but I was extremely in my feelings for uh, that little that little callback. I remember when the show came out, um, there was a fair bit of speculation around the internet about like, oh, who are these four characters in the intro? Uh, Aren't they like, just as... the last four avatars? No. I don't oh, think okay. they're all avatars. Oh, I was not paying as much attention as I should have then. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure they were not all avatars. In the original um, show, they're all avatars. That's what it is. Yes, they're the four avatars leading up to Aang. Um, but um, I remember, like, I was not on Twitter. I was not on Tumblr. I was not, like, in... I was, like, on GameFAQs, I guess. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, it, it was either GameFAQs or 4chan. Um, I'm so sorry. So, there was, like, some mild buzz about, like, trying to figure out who these four characters are by their silhouettes. And as characters were, were introduced, as the show continued, eventually we, you know, learned all of those characters. Um, I'll have to pay just, more attention to that next time, then. It took me back to the era of internet where I was really into things like slender man <laughs> because i was in a lot of uh message boards where people would like pour over frames and and look for clues in things and this is just like one aspect of that i definitely did that with uh the aragon series in between the second and third books yeah which was a weird time of my life on reflection <laughs> Yeah? <laughs> Just being in the Aragon fandom. I hey. wasn't on the, online enough to be in a fandom. Like I have I I don't consider myself to have been part of a fandom really until I started listening to campaign and got into Star Wars like mm -hmm. in a new way. Um I guess I was in a sort of slender man fandom except without the part where you interact with the other people in the fandom okay so so yeah we get that recap um we get introduced to republic city which i think maybe i said this in the last episode i want to reiterate it republic city is the worst name for anything <laughs> ever democracy town <laughs> like fuck they should have named it after like zuko's mom or something i don't know no, you don't get to know anything about Zuko's mom. You, you're not allowed to know anything about Zuko's mom. So that's a good transition to what happens next. Is um, So the show starts with um, some White Lotus uh, operatives um, showing up at the Korra household, which I forgot that the White Lotus are operating like way more publicly in the show than they did in Avatar, which I think... I think it's like a neat little thing. The White Lotus show up at the core household. They're like, 
we have heard many claims. Um, so Aang, before he passed away, tasked the White Lotus with finding and training the new Avatar, which I thought was kind of an interesting um, reaction to how Aang came up in, like, not having any training. Um, there's a... It's a little bit spoilery, but I think this show does some cool stuff with reacting to how bad things got in the events of the first show and trying to prevent that. And mm -hmm. yeah, and this is just one of those things. So they show up at the Korra household and Korra is being Korra. And the, her first line here is the line that was used uh, in my circle of friends when we wanted to uh, talk about how annoying Korra was being or how belligerent Korra was being throughout the show, which is, I'm the Avatar, you gotta deal with it. <laughs> and it perfectly sums up her approach to solving Life. problems, and especially, like, social interactions. Especially social interactions? Oh my god. I Yeah, I think, I think this is cute, but it's definitely Korra gonna Korra, you know? Yep. And this that line is kind of her whole arc through this whole show. Yeah. It would just replace you with whatever the problem is. Yes. And that can be up to, like, uh, concepts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we then cut to um, more just exemplifying how Korra Korra is going to be of like, it's a hard cut into her firebending the heck out of some dudes um, and just, like, completely roasting them. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, so you've got, like, a couple White Lotus people and old Katara, um, Katara being very old, um, watching her, and they think she is very good at fighting and not very good at, like, controlling herself or much else she is the opposite of ang where yes. ang had mastered the spiritual stuff and struggled with the violence of mm -hmm. his position cora is incredibly violent and uh is has trouble focusing on the spiritual side of things right um which cora then so they tell Korra this, and she's like, well, that's why you need to send me to Tenzin, who is Aang's son, which I think we find out in this episode. Yeah, she wants to go meet Tenzin and train with him because Tenzin is now the last airbender, or one of the last. And yeah, he is Mr. Spiritual. He is, like, meditating all day, every day, and yeah. Yeah, he's the only airbending master. Right. He's got his three kids who are adorable, in my opinion, <laughs> um, and are also the worst. He has the his three kids, which are not for us. They are, that, that whole chunk of the show is not mm -hmm. aimed at us. It is aimed at the children who are watching the show, which yeah. that's kind of a weird problem that Korra has is not sometimes it is for the kids who are watching and sometimes it is for the 
like young adults who are watching this after watching Avatar 10 years prior or six years prior, whatever it was, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It it does struggle with tone. Yeah. Um, And some of that, I don't, I don't know. I won't get into it right now. Um, So yeah. um, Also, I just want to touch on something I put in my notes, which is old Katara is my favorite. Katara will always be my favorite. I love Katara. I, I see here you've written that in... Is that red ink or is that blood? <laughs> you've underlined it, I see. Oh, this is like... This is like... MLA format. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've got my citations on all the episodes where Katara is extremely good, which is every episode that Katara is You've listed is 61 in. episodes here. <laughs> Um, no, everyone knows that Katara sucks in that one episode, but we don't need to talk about the Great Divide. <laughs> Katara does not suck in that episode. Katara is poorly written in that episode. <laughs> um, we we talked a little bit in the last episode about like trans stuff, and I I this is just a good time to say that like some of my feelings about how much I love Katara in the original show. We're extremely egg mode. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you want to talk about that or do you want to, to not? I, I think that's really all I have to say about it is like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's really all I've got to say about that. Um, so Tenzin shows up with his kids on who I thought was Appa for a second is not Appa. Um, it's Appa that is, shady looking fucker. Yeah, that oogie. What even? That's a. That's a. Nightmare on Elm Street, no. Nightmare Before Christmas guy. Um, and Oogie is like a... a uh, 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 yeah, good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, shows up on this extremely sketchy uh, Sky Bison. Um, and there was something I wanted to say here. I'm trying to... Oh, yes, there's... A, there's a extremely good, extremely bad middle finger to the fans um, mm. in this moment where Jinora asks Katara, so what's up with Zuko's mom? And is immediately interrupted by um, Tenzin's other annoying children. From what I, I know of the comics, this is the better answer than the actual answer. I have a friend who really likes those comics, but I, I, I only have that one friend's opinion, so I won't, you know, judge it. I guess maybe we'll talk about the comics at some point. I'm gonna, I'm know. going to at very least read uh, the Korra comic that's going on because I know the first page is just Korra and Asami making out. So I'm gonna read oh, that at okay. some point. Sure. Yeah. Um, so this brand isn't dead. No, no, there's a comic going on right now called Turf Wars. I don't really know what's happening in it. Um, I like the artist on it, but that's really all I know. I honestly thought this brand was dead. I did too. Um, <laughs> and then they announced that at Comic-Con last year, and yeah. So we get the middle finger to the fans. Um, so we talked a little bit last episode about the Equalists are right, because they are. We get a slight hint of some of that feeling with Tenzin's wife being like, I just want one non-bending child, which I think was like 
an elegant way to introduce that. I thought that was a nice little line. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tenzin then reveals that he will not be staying in the South Pole to train Korra because he's a very busy person. Um, he has to go back and be a politician. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. In essentially into... fantasy Gotham. You know, I hadn't thought about it. Well, no, I had because we'll get there in just a few minutes. At the very start of, like, the very first shot of Republic City has some air blimps in it, and I definitely wrote, oh, cool, we're just doing Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> um, so Korra then decides, well, if Tenzin is going back to Republic City, I will escape. Um, I will quote-unquote escape. Um mm-hmm. She is supported by Katara and her parents, so I really don't think there's anything anyone could have done to stop her from escaping, but she quote-unquote escapes. Listen, item number one, she's the Avatar. <laughs> you gotta deal item with it. Item number two, you gotta deal with it. <laughs> Katara, Katara gets, like, an, an okay moment, I think, where she's like, my brother has passed, Toph has passed, Aang has passed. It is it is time to let go of the old stuff and you know, it's time for you and your generation to uh kind of take the take the wheels of maintaining peace in the world. Um It's it's all right. Um they don't stick to that as writers, but yeah, it's no, all right. No, because yeah, they really Oh, don't. I just remember they super don't stick to that. No. We'll get but, there. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get we'll get there. <laughs> it's it's an okay moment. Um yeah. Katara is going to have better moments throughout the show, I think. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that this is her being in this show is sort of if you recall the callback the um the fortune teller episode in season one of the last airbender i don't off the top of my head remind me what that is um it's the one with the volcano and they're like oh the volcano is not gonna destroy the village and then they save the village from the volcano and they're like see we told you yeah um but one of the things that was predicted for katara was that she would live to see her great grandchildren or something like that Okay. And so her being alive for this uh, for this series is like the sort of payoff slash callback for that episode, which yeah. was the one episode I missed when I watched the show f- the first time. Oh. And so that episode is nothing. Like you don't you, yeah, you no. super don't need it. Like that's a lot of season one is kind of like that, but. Anyway, but I, that's. I think if someone from the old show has to kind of stick around in this, um, Katara would have been my pick, you know? Um, I, my pick does show up later, and I feel that they uh, misused that opportunity. I think uh, I know who you're talking about. I don't. Nec- well, if I don't know who you're talking about, then it doesn't even matter, so we'll get there. <laughs> uh, there's going to be. Uh, that's our podcast. That's our sign off. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Someday this show will finish. Um, 
Oh, this is one other thing I wrote on the thing. So she says goodbye to Katara. She says goodbye to her parents. And then one thing I wrote in my notes is, and now she's on a boat. And I kind of wish, like, the original show would have made a whole episode of how does she actually escape. And this show just kind of breezes past that. And I was a little bit bummed out about that. I was like, oh, there could have been something fun with how does... How does Korra even get on that boat, you know? This is where we get into the one of the biggest issues with this show. Mm-hmm. Um, because when this was being made, they only had the go-ahead for the first season. Right. They also, I think, might have had a lesser budget than the old show. I wouldn't um, be surprised at that. They knew they had 12 episodes, so as we go through this season, remember, they knew they had 12 episodes to tell a full story. Mm-hmm. They didn't know they would have the next season, I don't think, until maybe really late into it or after it was done. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, things like that where like you might have had an episode about a thing, and then in this you kind of slip right, past because... it. Or, or, um... What? Well, because, like, you know, the, um... The first season of the original show has a lot of filler, if we're honest. But also, mm-hmm. like, they had 20 episodes. And so, some of that filler I thought was nice. Because even if the plot isn't advanced, like, you just get to spend time in that world. And, like, yeah, if they had 20 episodes for this season, I would have loved, um... You know, this episode, instead of she gets to Republic City and does a billion things, to just be, how does she get onto that boat? Like, stretch out, like, her saying goodbye to Katara and her parents. Stretch out, like, her plan of escape, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, um, yeah, you could you could definitely end it with the shot of Republic City. Yeah. Um, so... Even yeah, when she- it was filler in the first ser- season... They, they did something. Either you got information about the world, information about a character, or you moved the plot forward. And sometimes you got multiple of those. But yeah. I think most of, even the filler episodes, did at least one of those. Yeah, I would agree with that. So she gets on the boat, she heads to Republic City. Um, she sees the the extremely Batman air blimps. Um, what was next in that? Um, oh yeah, so she then gets into a hilarious, uh, montage of running around this, uh, this city set to some jazz. It's not actually a hilarious montage. Um, she gets a montage of running around the city and there is some jazz and she doesn't know what she's doing. It's all very Kiki's delivery service. Um, and you, they do... This is a clever way of showing how this show's setting is so much different from the previous show setting because there are cars in this thing, and there were definitely 1,000% not cars in the original. And so she's running around, and she sees bad guys, and she does her Korra thing, um, which is um, to... First, be extremely a cop. Second, to break everything. And third, to be surprised when everyone's kind of upset about it. 
Do you think she was raised on stories of Aang? How so? Like, did they... Did she learn about how much of a hero Aang was growing up? so fucking lootly. <laughs> One million percent, <laughs> like, Aang is very deified in the future of... <laughs> that shit of this show you know because she just shows up and starts picking a fight and like sure good intentions mm-hmm. you don't know how this place works yeah you don't know like if you're gonna cause more damage than is necessary in the process yeah like a result of her actions is that a car goes into a family business's storefront and just like ruins those people's lives probably and she is shocked when the cops are like no Cora you can't do that actually is and if I'm wrong we'll find out Uh, Mm -hmm. see if we're right Uh, but this might be the last time Cora faces like consequences for a while i don't remember her like facing any sort of consequence again until like season three for like, yeah i feel doing like a thing. if i remember right there's some stuff in season four about that too but for, yeah mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of well she knows tenzin and tenzin can pull some strings and yell at her but she doesn't have to have legitimate consequences for her stupid, stupid actions. Yeah, and that um, that carries through the rest of this season as well. Um, I realized I skipped through, I skipped past something that we actually talked about in the last episode a little bit, which was the with the guy standing on the soapbox in the park. Um, oh, is that did we did we skip that? Yeah, I guess we did. Yeah, All ever right. so slightly. It's time for the meat of this podcast. <laughs> yep. Time for the thing I'm least sure about on rewatch. So the Equalists are a group who are um, starting to gain traction in Republic City, and they are spreading this message that they are being, that the normal people, I don't know if they have non-benders, the non-benders are being oppressed by the benders in society because being able to bend elements opens up a ton of career paths that aren't available to normal people it uh, elevates you in society somewhat because you're able to do magic and you're just born with it yeah um i do like this better than the reverse which is like an x-men situation where the oppressed party have superpowers Mm -hmm. i think it's more uh it's It's more more meaningful to have the magic powers people be the privileged people Mm -hmm. i feel like that's a a a more comfortable shoe to wear if i can make up an idiom (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and then the, the other, so we get introduced to this plot line, and we get introduced to, you know, part of Korra's whole problem is that she's never going to 
think through this well. No. And she, like, she is such a cop during this interaction. And the line I wrote down, which was just like, in 2018, I'm just like holding my temple like, Cora, shut up. She says to them, you're oppressing yourselves. Yeah. Just stop. Which, just... Listen. Listen, I'm Cora. I'm the Avatar. You gotta deal with it. Cora. Cora, honey. Yeah. Yeah, so... Cora by default disagrees with these people's message because of her ego because she just assumes well that... the line she says before that is bending super cool yeah so she, bending is super cool she was raised um she was raised treated like she was a deity um and certainly that ang was a deity but also, like, Korra needs to do a better job thinking this through, for sure. Um, which, yeah, her arc in the show is, Korra has never thought through anything in her life and maybe needs to start before she just punches people. But the thing is, and this will become apparent as we go mm. on, she really doesn't need to because she has the writers on her side to make sure she yes. punches just the right people to solve the problem. <laughs> yep. Yep. So in, so yeah, we get that moment and then we get Cora rolls up and like does a whole bunch of collateral damage to catch three bad guys, which yeah, on reflection is like a good way to set up that sequence of Cora thinks benders are great. Cora immediately shows maybe benders aren't great. Yeah. Um, then, oh, right, so she's arrested by the cops, but our introduction to the cops is really pretty cool. Um, yeah, the metal benders in the show are extremely cool. That was a great reveal the first time I saw the show, like, realizing that that discipline had been carried on and, like, passed on, mm -hmm. which brings me to... The best part of this episode. The best part of this show. Lin Bei Fong is amazing, and I love her. I don't know that she's the best part of the show, but she's pretty good. <laughs> she's pretty good. Lin Bei because... Fong, daughter of Toph, is mm -hmm. police chief? Yes. And... Which, like... I'm going to spend a lot of this show and this episode specifically complaining about cops, but Lin Bei Fong is extremely good. Yes. Um... So she's the police chief, and she takes Cora into an interrogation room, and Cora's like, oh, you're Top's daughter. Um, your mom and my past life hung out a bunch, so it's fine, right? And Lin Bei Fong is like, no, fuck you. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're not Aang. Um, yeah. Lynn is having precisely 0% of this child's bullshit. As well she shouldn't. Yeah. Um, and then in the, the writers enter the room in the form of Tenzin <laughs> and say, 
No, actually, it's fine. I'll pay for the damages, and she can go with me. Yeah. Which this... Yeah, this also, like, inspired me a moment of... And we'll probably talk about this more when we meet the city council. But, like, oh, yeah, Aang, like, weirdly set up a monarchy with him at the top and his, like, whichever one of his children can airbend... Yeah, it's just like the heir to the throne, which is weird. Also, Tenzin makes enough money to pay for all of that those damages and just be fine, which I guess as a monk, he's not he doesn't have a lot of like expenses probably, but still, I mean, he also owns that island. <sighs> he like he also just it. owns this island. He's got to own I I didn't think about it, but he's got to own that island. Yeah. And, like, once again, Aang probably just, like, Dynasty gave Tenzin this island. Um, so Something, one cool thing, about, I think, about this show um, is that it's not gonna, I don't think it ever says Aang is a bad person, but it, like, kind of resists building up Aang as this impenetrable hero. And, like, I don't know. I don't know if any of that's set up here, but I started to think about it with Tenzin being Tenzin. That'll become more apparent later on in this season uh, when we start yeah. to see more about what Aang was like. I appreciate it because it. Uh, listen, as somebody who was into the Star Wars expanded universe, <laughs> uh, Luke Skywalker made very few serious mistakes <laughs> i feel mm -hmm. uh in the books uh that occurred after the movies um and so it is a little bit refreshing to see ang not treated as that right ang did a lot of good ang was also a person you know a person who fought an entire war basically by himself at the age of 12 yep and also, like... And survived a genocide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is not a mistake on his part, but definitely, like, left... Gave him some problems. We will get into it. That's the subtitle of the show. We will get to it. <laughs> um, We're the podcast hosts. You gotta deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's roughly where the... My notes end. After this... Um, Tenzin takes uh, Korra back to the island where he lives. He's like, you can't stay here. Korra's like, but I have to stay here. And Tenzin, like, because the show, there's no plot to the show if Tenzin sends her home, so Tenzin lets her stay. Yep. And also because it's the right decision for Tenzin to make, but yeah. There just wouldn't be any show if Tenzin didn't do that. Yeah. So, I didn't realize that we didn't get any introduction to the boys in the pilot. Yeah, until I yeah that's not until the next episode. Because they're, like, episode, such is... a big part of the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think, especially in season one... Um, so much of Korra and Tenzin's relationship is the thing. So it kind of makes sense that um, we wait to get introduced to the boys. Yeah. 
sucks that we have to wait to get introduced to Asami, though. Yep, that'll be episode three, I believe. Yeah, hopefully. Do okay, and then there's either a no, no. I was thinking there was a teaser for Amon, but that's at the end of the next episode. So yeah, I think that no, I think that wraps us. No, because she ends. We end this episode with her giving a speech. Yes, she gets an Iron Man moment. I even wrote that and just glazed past it. She just does the end of Iron Man one. Um, and once again, in a moment of the writers not having very clear goals for this show, um, they ask her, so what's your plan? Are you going to, uh, listen to the equalists? Are you going to start cleaning up crime? Are you going to do blah, 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 blah. And Cora's like, I don't know anything about anything, but thank you. (laughs) I think it's worth noting that they did... Uh, I think the creators wrote most of this show. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the original series, they had uh, other writers contributing. Uh, okay. I, I feel like that's... I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure that like the writers like... I want to say Aaron Ahaz, who wrote like Zuko Alone, for example... I, I, I know that name, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Episode 1 written by Mike and Brian. All of these okay. episodes written by Mike and Brian. Yeah. Um, I'll have to look into that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember hearing about that as it happened. And, like, it definitely is a little bit of a... The word that I would, I would say is Lucensian, which means... Uh, in the style of George yeah. Lucas, <laughs> yeah. um, the original creator giving much more um, power control. over, yeah, control over the direction of the thing in the sequel. So, yeah, um, I don't. I w- go ahead. I wonder to what extent it's influenced by them not having as much budget, so maybe they didn't hire as many writers. But I don't know. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of like. We, we probably shouldn't get into too much, like, armchair uh, directing or whatever. Yeah, but that, I don't, I'm not really interested in that. That but. is something that, that is a factor in some of this stuff, because um, the Mike and Brian are much more involved in this show than in, like, a, more of a ground level than mm-hmm. they seem to be in the in the previous one. Huh. Yeah, maybe because um, the Twin Peaks podcast I listened to um, would do like this episode was written by so and so and directed by so and so. So maybe, maybe we'll start doing that in the future just to. Or if you say that every episode was written by them, I'm looking down the, the first season, and every episode is written by Mike and Brian, directed by Joaquin Dos Santos and Ki Hyun Ryu. I might have mispronounced those names, and I apologize sincerely. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yeah, I think that wraps us up for this first episode, which went longer longer than I thought, but also there's a lot in this episode, and I don't think there's a lot in the second episode. So. I like the second episode more than this one. I do too. I think but a lot a lot happens in this. A lot is set up in this episode, and things like there's action and things happen in the second episode, I feel like. Yeah, um... We had to get back into the world. 
We had to see mm-hmm. what things have changed since we last were here. Mm-hmm. There are cars now. There are... There's, like... There wasn't anything urban in the first season, and Republic City is very much urban, you know? Yeah, even, like, as you said earlier, the music choice. Yeah, I thought, yeah, it's very evocative of... And I think a lot of the um, art design of Republic City is evocative of, like, the 1920s and 30s, and the music especially was, Mm -hmm. you know? Um. I know it would be bad, but I kind of want to see, like, a 1980s. <laughs> I would be extremely here. Like, I I love the original show enough, and I like Korra enough, that I will follow this brand to the ends of the earth, and if they give me some nonsense 1980s thing, I will be here for it. What, I will be extremely here for it. What time period does Yakuza 0 take place in? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> that would be so. Oh my god. <laughs> just the triple threat triad, just, just with Kiryu and Majima. Mr. Shakedown. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um... The Boulder would be a very good Yakuza character. That's all I have to say. So, that has been episode one Welcome to Republic City. I like this episode, I don't love this episode, and I think we have not gotten to either the stuff that I know I'm going to really like, or the stuff that I know, that I suspect I won't like anymore. Mm-hmm. So, well, we kind of did. We kind of did. We, we touched on the Equalists and how we feel about them, and we're, like, just gonna get back into that at some point later on. Um, but yeah, so... Like I say, you can find me at Alley Coffee, A-L-I-C-O-F-F-E-E, on Twitter, um, where I don't really tweet anything good, but I guess you could follow me there. You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. I post incredibly good tweets. That um, is a lie. I, You're only bad tweets. I post so many good tweets. Uh, you know, I, I make stuff... I do other podcasts. She makes other podcasts. She makes um, some very good RPGs, like tabletop RPGs, um, that I have played and enjoyed, or that I have wished I could play and enjoy. <laughs> um, I had a moment of like, hey, what if I wrote an Avatar RPG? And then I remember that Ash McAllen already like wrote the best Avatar RPG that there, <laughs> there could be. <laughs> So, uh, if you want to play Avatar on your tabletop, you should definitely check out The Republic on Itch.io by Ash McAllen. It's a great uh, tabletop RPG. We, you can find the podcast on Twitter at, at WhiteLotusPod. Um, do not go to at WhiteLotusRadio, which is a RP account, which hasn't tweeted in years, and I'm salty about it. <laughs> Um, we haven't tweeted yet, but we will, you know, tweet, um, you know, links to the RSS feed and, you know, this episode. And probably if any of you say anything nice about it, I will retweet it because I am thirsty for validation online. Um, same. So I, do we have an email address? Have we, we do. It's 
whitelotusradio at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, like I said in the last episode, send us, if you take personality quizzes related to Avatar, please send us that. If you have thoughts about this episode, either of the show or of the podcast, absolutely send us that. Um, if you Like, whether you're a first-time watcher or you've watched Korra a thousand times, which I like Korra a lot, don't watch it that much. Um, uh, yeah, whatever you want to say to us, we will happily read it, um, and we may talk about it on the show, or we may just reply to your email. I don't know. Um, if you send questions, like we can do a question section uh, on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, maybe like... Yeah, and if you want to... Yeah, like maybe we'll do between seasons one and two, like just a question bucket, mm. uh, a question pail. What a what an interesting will. and unique uh, idiom you've coined. Yeah, no, um, but I think I think that wraps us up. I don't have anything to plug because this is like the only work I do that you can access online. Um, because I'm not a content creating type person, but I do like a podcast. <laughs> love a podcast i've already plugged my twitter i think that's good enough you can find all the stuff i do on that twitter click all the links click all the buttons give her money on patreon i mean listen (laughs) so yeah um that's the end of this episode uh bend those podcasts that's my sign off what is bend those podcasts no that's a bad one (laughs) If you have ideas for a sign-off to this show, please tweet at us or email us. Um, bye. Bye.